Hey folks, Alex Lokes here and welcome back to the classic camera revival. And today we are talking about the M factor and I am not talking about Leica. We're going to be discussing cameras that are a little more affordable to the, uh, to the average photographer. We are of course talking about Mamiya. Now Mamiya is a brand of cameras that often gets a bit of a bum rap in the uh, film photography community. Of course, we don't ever um, try to diss anyone's choices in cameras. So today we have six cameras on the table and you'll hear a couple of guest hosts with us. And that is two amazing photographers who um, run some amazing YouTube channels. And we'd like to welcome Jess and Ali to the show. So let's roll the uh, intro and get to it. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Okay, so welcome Jess and Allie. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys. <laughs> welcome, welcome. And, uh, yeah. You're welcome. Welcome back, Allie. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I didn't do a big blunder last time. <laughs> and congratulations on your engagement, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> if you're looking for a wedding photographer, well, number one, I'm not allowed to cross the border anymore, but uh, I'm <laughs> Yeah, I know. You all should just come as guests and then everybody just take pictures. <laughs> there you go. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's one cheap way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so uh, let's kick this off. John, you have the Mamiya Universal. Okay, yep. Uh, this is a camera, in some ways, it's the best camera ever bought for one purpose. In other ways, it's the worst. Mamiya Universal is like the last of their press cameras. came out in about 1969. And the reason I bought this camera was I wanted to do Polaroid, like the peel apart, back when you could still get Fuji FP, you know, 100C and the 3000 be without having to mortgage uh, your house. And the Mamiya Universal, if it's set up correctly, like with the Polaroid back and the 127 millimeter lens that covers the entire Polaroid uh, negative size, is, in my opinion, the best Polaroid camera ever built. Uh, it's basically the same camera as the uh, Polaroid SE600, uh, just but they made it incompatible. I found it great for that because you have really good Mamiya glass, and again, you're covering the entire frame of the um, of the Polaroid, and you get really, you know, it got really high quality. But the thing is, I don't shoot Polaroid anymore. I prefer to shoot film that I can go down to downtown camera, or whatever, and buy. And I found that if I'm just shooting it as you know six by seven or six by uh, six four five or six by nine or whatever the camera is it's clunky it is big it is heavy it is awkward and i understand what they were trying to do mamiya said let's make a system camera that comes with a gazillion different lenses and options and backs and accessories and the photographers who used speed graphics in the you know 60s 50s 40s will come to us and see us as the next generation of uh, of press cameras. But the problem was, 
if the uh, if the photographers of the 1960s wanted a uh, system camera, they went with a Nikon F system, which was smaller, lighter, easier to use. So I haven't used the uh, the Universal Press in a couple of years, maybe even three years. It's just sort of sat in a box. I've tried to sell it a couple of times, got no interest. So it's under a layer of dust. It needs a little bit of work, but I think I am going to try to take it out in the next couple of weeks to uh, to give it another chance because I have like again the one twenty seven lens is is a really good sharp lens. I also have a ninety millimeter lens for it, and six by nine is an amazing form factor for negatives. It's like the next best thing to shooting four by five, and my only other six by nine camera is a Kodak Metalist and I don't always feel like respooling six twenty. So for six ninety or for six by nine, I think I have to give it uh, another another chance. But apart from that, sorry, it tries to solve a problem that wasn't a problem to too many photographers anymore. And it's just painful. So sorry. And and after that downer start, we will uh, we'll now move over to a camera that is actually good to use. So it's over to Bill, and he'll be talking about his 220. Thank you, John. Uh, yeah, the Mamiya C220F. Actually, one of the last of a line of uh, twin lens reflex cameras Mamiya made since uh, after World War II, and they stopped making the 220F in the mid-90s. So here's my story on how I wound up with it. My brother sold it to me when he was moving house. He needed to lighten the load from his massive collection. His Mamiya C330 disappeared. So he was left with the 220, a whole bunch of lenses, which in this case were the 55, 65, 105, 135, 180 lens lenses. All Mamiya C core with the blue dot with the with the blue dot on the little uh, shuttercock. And that means it has the lovely multi coatings on it. What's uh, so? What's so special about the 220F? Well, one, it's a twin lens reflex camera, and two, the lenses are interchangeable. And really, only one other maker made an interchangeable lens TLR, and that was Kony Omega. And theirs kind of died on the vine at some point, uh, I think, in the 50s or 60s. What I love about this camera, and eventually I did get a replacement 80. Uh, f 2.8 blue dot c core lens uh just to fill that little hole and uh what i love about this camera is a i love shooting with twin lens leaf cameras uh, to start with witness uh my multiple rolly flexes multiple rolly cords uh fleet but this sort of fills a certain hole where you sort of want a system camera but you don't want a system camera you know what i mean no there's no interchangeable film backs like the RB or the 645s, but the TLR gives you lens interchangeability. And you can also take the waist level finder off and put on an eye level prism. And uh, it is a robust camera. Oh, the one last thing that's really cool about this camera that you don't have to worry about with Rolly flexes with these hard to find Rolinars, you don't need a macro lens because the focusing is done by via bellows. So the bellows come out of the camera body with the lens on it lens and shutter so that way you don't have to worry about looking for a specialized lens and, and dealing with some crazed collector somewhere who just wants it for for the shelf these cameras are 
inching up in price, probably a uh, C220F with an 82.8 lens, you're looking at about $400 and change, give or take, if if you shop smart. The other lenses are nice to have, uh, particularly for landscape photography, which I, I use this camera a fair bit for. So I have a dedicated camera backpack for it, and I've used it on its own with just one lens and just go out and street shoot as well. So all in all, the 220F, and I'm saying, well, what's the what's the whole point of the 220F? Uh, what's the difference between the bigger brother of the 330? Well, the 330 has an advanced crank like the Rolleiflex, like a Minolta Autocord, like a Yashica Mat uh, 124G. The 220 has a twist knob, fill advance. So it's a lower tack, and you have to cock the shutter manually every time. Is that a bad thing? No, it forces you to slow down and think about your shot a little more carefully. So you get a few more keepers out of those dozen shots you take on a roller 120 film. Oh yeah, the other thing is the 220 and its big brother, the C330, uh, can also take 220 film if you can still find it from a vintage film seller at a camera show. I shot 220 film once. It was a nice novelty, but in the end, yeah, 120 works for me just fine. So without further ado, uh, speaking of system cameras, I'm going to turn things over to Jess to talk about the RB. All right. Thank you for that, Bill. Uh, That's actually the C220 was one of the cameras that I was looking at buying when I decided to buy the RB67. Uh, I had done a bunch of research back then uh, looking to get into um, medium format shooting. Uh, I love SLRs. So the RB67 was like an easy switch for me. Uh, It just kind of made a little bit more sense for me at the time. Um, And I really like the story of how I got it. I found it being sold on Kijiji and bought it behind a dumpster of a Tim Hortons restaurant in Laval, Quebec. So uh, I I guess I just kind of like the backstory of it. Anyways, why did I choose that camera? Uh, Mostly because I really like the 6.7 negative format. It's just a little bit wider than 6.6, which I do also like 6.6 shooting but the 6.7 is just a little more special for the landscapes that I like to do. I love to walk out into the woods with this camera. Uh, most people like to comment and tell me that it's really just a studio camera and I shouldn't be out in the woods with it. But I mean, it's also a perfect camera on a tripod. It is steady. It is sturdy. The wind will not knock it over. I have not had a hard time with wind once with that camera, uh, because it is a big beast of a camera. I think I weighed my full bag and it was about 15 pounds total, but weight aside, you know, I just have to get a little stronger. That's all. I just really love that it was super modular. I like that I could change the back so I could have different film stocks. And I really love all the lenses that you can get. I do have both a waist level finder, which I use most often. And then there's a bunch of different uh, prism finders as well. Uh, So there's one that's not metered, which is what I have. And then there's a metered one. Uh, But I think the metered one adds something ridiculous, like two pounds of weight. So I very rarely use an eye level. I mostly use the waist level with this camera. And uh, yeah, um, most of my lenses are the Secor C. I have the Pro S model. So there were like three different models with the RB67. And the Pro S is pretty much the most common one to find. It can use all the lenses available for the RB67 and all of the backs, which I really liked. And why I chose the RB over the RZ, because that's also another argument that comes up once in a while. I just find that for me, a purely mechanical camera, something that doesn't take batteries, that I can just run and gun out there in minus 20 in our 
frigid Canadian winters, it will not fail. That camera is a tank, a beast. <laughs> it just, it will not fail on me. Whereas the RZ is battery dependent and Having used uh, some battery-dependent SLRs in the past, I've had to keep spare batteries in my pocket and switch them in and out of the camera as the camera starts to fail. So for me, I'm really just like more of a mechanical kind of shooter. I don't even mind the weight. Uh, I don't really use it handheld though. I do have the grip, but I've never actually put it on the camera. Uh, I have done a little bit of street photography with it, but like I just find that me and my Roberta, we fit in the woods, you know, all those beautiful trees and landscapes. That's where the two of us really shine. And yeah, so that's why I chose that camera. I just absolutely loved it. All right. So next up will be Alex with the M645. Hey, thanks, Jess. Okay. So where the RB67 is a beast of a camera, if you want something a little smaller and portable, then the Mamiya M645 is the camera for you. We've, we've discussed this camera on the show before. I believe it even appeared on our very first episode, um, the M645J. So the M645, I picked it up from an old wedding photographer in a coffee shop in Bell Fountain, Ontario. He had stopped shooting film. He saw me out with my crown graphic and sort of went, hey, do you want this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Came with the... Uh, uh, metered prism finder, which unfortunately didn't work, and uh, the L-grip. Now, I'm glad I got it. I'd gotten rid of my Pentax 645 a few years earlier and missed the six by four and a half centimeter format for, um, for medium format. It is a system camera, so it has a series of excellent interchangeable lenses, interchangeable prisms on the top, including a waist level a metered prism finder and an unmetered prism finder, and uh, various other accessories. What's great about it is it makes for a fantastic travel camera. You throw the 80 millimeter f2.8 lens and a waist level finder on it and it will fit in a small camera bag. So if you're just doing a quick hop on a plane and want to shoot medium format, it'll fit in your carry-on no problem. It's relatively inexpensive. They have started creeping up in price over the years, but it's really the glass that will will cost you the most. Now, a lot of people, when it comes to the M645 system, will actually say, oh, the really the only good lens is the 80 millimeter f1.9. It is a faster lens. Unfortunately, it is overpriced, and it does have a tendency to get some haze on the rear element. What I recommend doing is that when you're buying lenses for your M645, go for the N series or the newer lenses. They have A, a better coating, and B, they're better constructed. The biggest problem, especially with the 82.8, is that the aperture spring tends to break. That's what ended up for me. I ended up picking up another one on the cheap. But in addition to the 80 millimeter, I do recommend getting either the 35 f3.5 or the 45 f2.8, or both if you can swing it. I love the 35 3.5. Again, landscape photography, the 35 or the 45, absolutely incredible. If you want a telephoto, there's two versions of the 150 millimeter. There's the 3.5 and the 4. Go for the 3.5. It is slightly sharper. And um, yeah, the one thing that I don't like about my M645 is I have the older version, so it only tops out at 1 500th of a second. If you are looking at getting it, 
um, go for the M645 1000S, which does bring that shutter speed up to one one thousandth of a second. Film backs, unfortunately, they aren't interchangeable mid-roll because it's more of a film insert. And make sure you get the ones for 120 film, not 220 film. But yeah, other than that, it's a fantastic camera. I love taking it out on photo walks. Generally, I'll shoot it with the waist level finder and just use an external meter like my uh, Goss and Luna 6. But if I am shooting with the prism finder, you do want to get that L grip. It just makes it a little easier to handhold. And then it also gives you a hot shoe. So I put my Ravini meter on top and it works just fine. Now, Mamiya did keep going with their uh, 645 system. And the next step up will be um, the 645 Pro, which Allie recently acquired. Thanks, Alec. Yes, I have the Mamiya 645 Pro, and I started uh, getting into medium format only recently. So I made a list of all the medium format cameras I was interested in, and this one ended up being the most affordable relatively, and weight factor was a big factor for me. And um, even though it did end up being pretty heavy for me still, um, I tried taking it outside on walks and stuff with me at first, and um, I kind of hurt my back, <laughs> but um, so now it's basically, and which is good because now it's so hot in Florida right now that I, I just put it on a tripod and do still life photography now. And I love it. I've, I have also the grip on it for the automatic advancing to the next frame and all that. Um, that made it a little heavier, but like I said, I'm, I have it on a tripod. I hope to use it in the winter on a monopod and try to go for walks with it again because I do have the 45 millimeter lens f2.8 so I'd like to try some landscapes with it. I've been looking for the waist level finder too to make that a little easier because right now I have the AE prism on it, the metered prism, and it's a little bit harder to lift it to my eye and you know that just makes it heavier so it'd be good to have the waist level but for some reason I'm having a hard time finding one at least even at a, a good price but I also tried a telephoto lens, uh, 105 to 210, and I thought, because, you know, I love taking pictures outside of birds and I need a zoom, but yeah, that really hurt my back, so <laughs> I'm not doing that right now, but um, that's basically it. I love it. I love using it inside for still life. Basically, that's all I'm using it for right now. Hopefully, I'll use it for more than that in the winter, but um, next is James Lee with the 645 AFD. Awesome. Uh, thanks very much, Ali. And I know you can't really, um, you can accuse Mamiya of a lot of things. Um, being lightweight is not one of them. So <laughs> they are they are heavy, heavy cameras. And um, my 645 AFD, um, I really like that camera. I actually drove uh, with Trevor Black, uh, who's one of our uh, other co-hosts, who's not here this month. And we drove about two hours in the middle of a snowstorm just so I could go buy this camera. So, um, uh, And unfortunately, I didn't really enjoy it too much. But I'll tell you a little bit about it. It's an autofocus SLR camera with interchangeable film backs. It's a 645 format and it has available lenses from 28 to 300 millimeter. So quite versatile. In terms of construction it, uh, itself, the body's made of a combination of magnesium alloy and covered in plastic and the thing is built uh, like a tank. Uh, in terms of exposure modes, it's got P for professional, A for amateur, uh, S for oh shit, um, and M, I don't know what I'm doing. 
you know, it has all of those modes. So it's very similar to a uh, using a modern digital camera uh, today. Uh, you can choose between spot metering, center weighted metering, or a combination of both. Um, uh, which is and it's which kind of provides a really good system for getting your exposure, if not perfect in ideal situations, close to it, and then you can uh, you can compensate. So it is a very good light meter. It doesn't get fooled too easily. Um, its autofocus, however, is kind of simple, especially compared to a modern day uh, DSLR or even um, a newer film camera like the Maxim 9, Nikon F5, F6, the uh, Canon EOS, etc. Those autofocuses are much more um, advanced. Uh, with the 645 AFD, the autofocus field is really slow and it does hunt quite a bit. One, it does lock in though, um, it is really, really good. Um, a few other sort of nitpicky things with the camera, although it's uh, got a plastic cover, it is really built. It's a strong um, grade of plastic. There's really no flex to it. It does feel extremely solid in your hands. And, you know, compared to any um, full frame DSLR for, uh, for just for the purpose of comparison, the viewfinder in the 645 AFD is gigantic. It's huge. And that helps a lot um, for manual focus. And especially in darker situations, you're not going to be able to rely on, uh, by today's standards, what is a much more primitive autofocus system. So being able to, uh, to focus manually with a large bright viewfinder is really, really helpful. It does have a diopter setting. Um, I'm nearsighted and wear glasses. And I don't like to wear my glasses when I'm shooting. So having a diopter is really, really important to me. Um, and also being the world's laziest photographer, having a meter that is accurate and autofocus inside of the camera really helps me a lot because I'm in, uh, I, you know, I'm an old fart now and I have no interest in changing my bad habits. Um, the aperture and shutter speed get their own dials. The ISO setting is a little bit wonky. You set it with uh, some buttons on the on the back side of the body of the camera. They are annoyingly unresponsive. It's a set of up and down arrows, and it's really kind of annoying. The uh, metering mode dial is uh, uh, and shooting mode dial is pretty much the same as any consumer type of digital camera with the PASM uh, settings. And overall, like the operation um, is is pretty easy. If you if for those. Um, that are sort of migrating to film and have shot in a digital system for a long time, it is really a good place to start. It's a very easy transition because the controls are pretty much the same. It's, it seems like, you know, they've taken what Mimia has designed and obviously other manufacturers as well and put those into digital cameras. So it is, it is really good. Now, image quality, which I believe has a lot to do with essentially two things, the film that you're putting through the camera, and of course, the quality of the lenses. Uh, Mamiya lenses um, are among the highest quality, very, very well made pieces of glass. As uh, historically a wedding and portrait shooter, I find the sharpness and they're sure the sharp quality of the lenses to be very good. Uh, but for portrait work, I, I have this is my own personal opinion, and, and certainly others um, will have their own. Uh, is that uh, I find that the uh, contrasty uh, nature of the images, the contrast level is rather high with most Mamiya glass, in my experience. So I don't find it as an I don't consider it an ideal candidate for portrait work. And I know there's a ton of wedding and portrait shooters that are 
probably saying I'm full of crap or whatever. It, look, it's just my humble opinion and my experience. I just like my uh, portrait work to be much lower contrast and a little bit softer. Uh, the autofocus is a touchy subject for this thing. It has two modes, single focus and the uh, other mode that never works, uh, which is the continuous mode in this uh, camera. Uh, don't, if you're, if you're shooting sports or action, quick moving subjects, uh, and you want to shoot medium format, if you can do the manual focus and you're really good at it, I would go for it. Don't rely on the continuous mode focus um, in this camera. It really only has one center point focusing spot. So if you're like me, I have always been a uh, focus lock and recompose shooter. So that worked well for me. But some people like to like to have those little focusing spots and, and move them around and that sort of thing. Uh, look, at the end of the day, the AFD are workhorses of cameras. Uh, you can buy there. So there's three versions of this camera. There's the AFD one, two, and three. Uh, the AFD one uh, is not compatible with any digital backs. Uh, the uh, version two, you can get a Mamiya Leaf digital back um, for it, but you'll be you'll have to buy an adapter that goes on the back to mount the digital sensor array on the back. Uh, but the version three, the um, the digital sensor will bolt right up. So um, if you are looking to get into medium format and you don't want to blow your brains out on a phase one or, or a Hasselblad system that you'll have to get 25 mortgages to afford, there's um, uh, this is a really, really good, uh, good option. It's a beautiful looking camera. The images are spectacular. If you're thinking about getting one, I, if, I, if I was getting into the 645 market, I would definitely, con this would be a serious contender uh its price is generally pretty good it's not perfect but the versatility makes up for a lot of just the nitpicky things it does really get the job done and it's a really great camera uh, as far as i'm concerned and uh, that's pretty much all i have to say about that back to you alex okay well that was that was a short episode but that's fine yeah mamiya if you're looking for something that is relatively inexpensive well relatively inexpensive but they're they are great cameras there's a lot of history behind the mia um company um they're actually one of the youngest camera manufacturers out of japan that is true yeah and it's, it's yeah. surprising because if you look uh, at the lineage of some of the cameras like even like by going like to the uh the c series uh the tlrs like even you look at the design you think well you know, this camera looks like it's possibly from the late 60s, um, uh, you know, and, and before. And then, of course, the Mamiya Universal. Uh, and I had a Polaroid 600 SE. So, I, I you know, I, I completely agree with what uh, with what John said. But uh, the Mamiya Universal looks like something that uh, they might have uh, took aboard, uh, um, you know, one of the early Russian um, uh, space uh, capsules. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the weird thing is, like. Mamiya was still making TLRs into the 1990s. And I think a lot of people looked at it. It's like the only other two other TLR manufacturers I was aware of was Yashica with their, the 124G and, of course, Rolleiflex. Mm -hmm. Sort of the ownership structure changed over the years. The weird thing with Mamiya is they gave you notice two of Canon, uh, the two heavyweights in uh, camera manufacturing, Canon and Nikon, never got into medium format. Whereas Mamiya dabbled in 35 millimeter in the 60s and into the 70s a wee bit, but then they got out of it. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I, have anyone anyone here shot um, uh, a, a 135 Mamiya? I have not. Uh, by 
by a friend of the family. Unfortunately, the thing was locked up six ways come Sunday. Could not get it to work. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because I heard the lenses were pretty good. Oh, yeah, like it's M40. It's M42. So you can throw it on a Pentax Spotmatic and, or a Chin-On or a Rico, Ricoflex was M42, wasn't it? I, I think so. Yeah, it's hard to find yeah. a manufacturer that wasn't M4. That what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, who didn't do it? Yeah, it's really weird because it's sort of like in the TLRs. I think we're also loved by wedding photographers because again, it's it's not a you know an in-your-face camera and you can and it's quiet. Which yeah, yeah. you know, fire off an RB or an RZ six yeah. or RZ RZ sixty-seven you'll let the entire neighborhood know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Similar to the Pentax 67 as well, too. Like, I mean, I think um, uh, I fire that thing and I get complaints from New Zealand. So uh, yeah. I actually yeah. found that the um, Pentax 645 is has a worse shutter than the RB. Really? Oh, oh yeah. wow. It yeah, because I used to have a loud like, shutter. And it's so loud. Like, huh. try to do street photography with that. And I mean, everyone's staring at you, first of all, because you have a really weird camera in your hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they hear the shutter go off and they're like, did you just fire a gun or something? Like, really? it's so loud. The RB is actually relatively quiet because of the leaf shutter uh, built into the lens. Right. So, yeah. so the worst of the noise is actually the mirror slapping up. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. the shutter itself isn't so bad, but the, yeah. yeah, like the mirror will scare, you know, some wildlife when I'm out with it, <laughs> but I found the Pentax uh, one was a lot worse. Yeah. yeah I, I, I have think the film advance. Yeah. I think Pentax's number one feature is called mirror slap because the, <laughs> the 67 is the same way. And it's like, you put that, even putting it on a tripod, you have to weight the tripod down because the mirror slap will create motion blur. It's insane. Well, and that's why when I shoot with the RB, I actually always have it in mirror lockup mode. Um, And then I shoot with the um, with my shutter release cable uh, so that that way the mirror has time to go up, shake anything it's got to shake and then settle back down and I can shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I don't have that problem with my camera. (laughs) Well, yeah, the C220 is... uh, that is that's all um that's all leaf shutter right yeah it's all uh yeah it's their leaf shutters mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. built into the lenses so right. the lenses are interchangeable so yeah yeah i I, got to I, have... I was gonna ask you i've never shot one uh bill what what's the weight of that thing like it looks I, heavy uh i'd say well i'd say about the same as a nikon f4s mm-hmm. with the battery pack okay so not too bad it's not too bad. Like yeah. you know, you'll have some people whine about that. In which case, I just say, yeah, do more squats mm-hmm. and push-ups. <laughs> or yeah, or or get one of those uh, back uh, straining belts or something. Yeah, yeah. If you were going to, if someone was say on a on a on a non Rolleiflex two point eight F budget, and say they had a choice, uh, and they were or or didn't have you know anything beyond that, and they were looking for a TLR, um, what would you recommend the the C series over anything else, or you know what I, would it be I'd comparable say, to? I, I would look. At, I would strongly look at the C series because again, if you if you needed to start somewhere, say okay, uh, I can only swing the body and the lens, mm-hmm. and an eighty two eight with the blue dot is what you want because again, it's got the lovely multi coatings. It just looks, you know, the end results just look 
beautiful. And uh, I've been shooting a lot with it uh, for a uh, twin lens reflex challenge with that uh, a uh, photographer, Dan Novak, has been organizing through one right. of the communities. And that was like sort of one camera, one lens, one f- film stock, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But it, it, if you're looking at one of those, you're probably on the high side. If I, I'm saying if you really wanted to get cream puffs, like it's been serviced, uh, yeah, budget about five hundred bucks and change. Really? Oh, that's yeah, not five, bad. Yeah, five six hundred. Like, wow, it, should, it shouldn't be that bad. I mean like, that in I mean that in a good way. That that's mm-hmm. that's it should great. Now, again, it depends where and when. And the, you'll you will spend more if you go like there's certain places you can get like say Burlington Camera will probably let it go for like I've seen. A Mamiya C330 with the 82.8 lens. I think Joan was selling them for, and this is Canadian dollars for Alyssa, so it'll even be cheaper for her if she somehow made it across the international imaginary line. Uh, it was about $460 Canadian. So I'm, I'm being out of the concern saying, yeah, budget 500 and change so you can get the best you can get. You want to check the bellows to make sure they're light tight because that's how it focuses. And of course, you're gonna wanna, you know, get the lens hood for it too, and they they can be a real pain to find as well. So, you know, that that's sort of part of your war, what I call the metaphorical war chest. You know, and you want to get that because when you when you start adding on the lenses, of course, you're gonna want to get the lens hoods for them. And believe me, it took me two years to find a lens hood for the 55 millimeter one f 4.5. Believe me, I had to get it from Japan. It's it's always the little niggly things that always are the hardest to find, like the way oh, the finders for um, the uh, M645 and the 645 Pro. I'm yeah. lucky in the sense that I managed to get mine waist level finder from John. Sweet. I, I came with both, so I'm set either way. Yeah. In fact, I'm going out on Monday for a hike at Limehouse Conservation Area. I'm planning to shoot a fair bit because I want to build the Xena out of it. And... Uh, I'm using the eye level prism for that one, and I pack the waist level into the bag as well, just to be on nice. the safe side. Nice, nice, excellent. One so, thing I did forget to mention, sorry, about the RB, because mm-hmm. we were talking about like you know how it can be hard to find like little bits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one problem I do have with the RB are the backs. The backs are like notoriously bad. Um, mine, I actually like I redid the whole light seals, everything mm-hmm. uh, on the rotating back and on the um, the back itself. And I still, I still get light leaks. So I have to actually tape it up with uh, electrical tape before I go, like before I go out. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Every, every time. Oh. Um, and so I've been looking for, I've actually been looking for the pro SD backs because those come without light seals. Uh, they're just, I guess they just like close up better or something. Mm. Um, but first of all, trying to find them affordable because you're looking at minimum hundred dollars for a back that's in rough shape. Oh, so you're um, probably looking at maybe two, three hundred dollars for something halfway decent that you'll feel comfortable buying. That exactly, you're not and, buying someone else's tears and regret. <laughs> exactly, that's, uh, that's Hasselblad back territory. There. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they're super hard to find. Like I, I actually still have not to this day found a Pro SD back. I found multiple like the original backs or the Pro S backs, mm. um, but then again, like you go to a camera shop and I'd love to buy one. But do I know if it's actually going to work or not? You've so. got to get in your car and drive uh, westward towards Burlington Camera. Yeah. 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 Yes. I think you, you and Jody got to make a pilgrimage down to the GTA. And- we really want to. We really, really do. Um, we have plans to because we keep 
seeing all kinds of crazy camera deals and they're all in Toronto. And I keep thinking like, oh, can I ask Bill to go buy me this and I'll send him the money after or anyways, but um, we definitely want to make a, make some trips out. Cause there's, there's some really good camera deals to be had out, mm. out your way. Um, there's also a lot in Quebec city, surprisingly. That's really? interesting. Unfortunately, oh, really? my French is horrible, so I can't be able to do it. I'll, I'll be your translator. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my M645, um, the uh, seals on the back are pretty terrible. Hmm. So right along the hinge. So occasionally I was getting like, flares and and light leaks i just fixed it by throwing some duct tape along the bottom now, Looks like a charm are light leak uh light seal kits available for the m series 645 asking they for a friend are, <laughs> um um again it's nothing serious Set a bit of duct tape and a some uh red green handyman ingenuity couldn't fix so i'm happy with my setup i just have to re- remember to replace the uh the duct tape every couple of months because it um it's on the hinge so it actually wears down mm-hmm. oh the tape oh. so okay yeah that's why i have to replace my tape every time i take a roll out because it just yeah. like i have to tape up literally the whole back so as soon mm. as i take Crud. it off it won't stick back on yeah. but i don't really mind um i'd rather just like the at least the frame spacing works and once i put the tape on it works so i'd rather just go out and deal with it as it is, then right. spend the hours I've been spending scouring the internet to find. You, you just sort of scared me enough. I think I'm just going to look for a Mamiya C330 and call <laughs> it a day. I once found a C330 at Value Village. This was like seven years ago, and it was selling for eighty dollars. Oh. And I didn't buy it. Oh, what were you thinking? I wasn't. I I just like I saw it. I was with Jody, and he was like, "Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness!" Like what is that? Like, what is that price? You know? And we were like, we just both freaked out. We were both a little broke. We just moved to Montreal. So we were like buying new furniture and settling in and stuff. Uh, And so we were like, no, we can't. And we were on our way to my parents' house in Granby. So we drove to my parents and we were both just like thinking about this and feeling really, really terrible about it. As soon as we got to Granby, Jody turned around, drove back to Valley Village to check and see and it had already been sold. So that's our, (laughs) yeah, that's like our... That one is gone. Our main regret, like a major, yeah. major regret there. Because, uh-huh. you know, at the time, I like I said, I really wanted the RB67. But um, if I had picked up that C330, I'm pretty sure I'd still be shooting it today. Mm. Probably. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Allie, Jess, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show today and uh, sharing with us your experiences with Mamiya. Jess will be joining us uh, for the next episode this month. So until next time, keep those shutters firing. And if you got light leaks, sometimes just a little bit of duct tape will fix it. This is Bill Smith. Yeah, duct tape, the quick and dirty fix for a lot of things. (laughs) Alyssa? Oh, this is, what do I say? (laughs) (laughs) This is where you say something slightly slightly raunchy and a a double (laughs) entendre or a bad pun. (laughs) I don't have any. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. I I didn't get to mention that the the backs on the Pro, you can change them mid-roll. I did want to mention that. I didn't mention that. Oh, yes. That's one of the big features that I liked about that camera. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys. 
I guess I'm next. This is James Lee. Um, this was a great, fun episode. Just get out there and find yourself a great medium format camera and just go shoot some film. This is John Meadows. If you're like me, a photographer who owns Universal but needs to lose some weight, you have two choices. 50 reps of Universal curls once a day and burn the weight off or sell a damn thing and lose two pounds instantly. Uh, well, thanks, guys, for, for having me on. That's some really good advice, by the way, John. <laughs> I think you could do the same with the RV and get into really good shape pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, anyways, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'm terrible at puns, so I'll just say happy shooting. There you go. Perfect. Perfect.